Hey guys, this is Malik and this is my podcast. Today, I am introducing you to someone that I met um, when I spoke on a panel at Harvard University. I was so blown away by the, the kind of work that our guest today is doing that I, I knew that I would have her on the podcast when it returned to talk about hustle culture and the soft life. So today we have the honor of going deep, a little bit deeper into the idea of the soft life and hustle culture with an inspiring guest who is at the forefront of redefining the way we perceive work and our approach to the soft life. Joining us today is Dr. Courtney McClooney. She is the founder of Equiwell Partners, which is a consulting advisory firm dedicated to reshaping the landscape of work. She is an academic director with the Workplace Inclusion and Diversity Program at Cornell University's ILR School, which is Industrial and Labor Relations School. Dr. McClooney brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our conversation. However, what truly sets her apart is her pioneering journey to fuse her research on occupational health and workplace discrimination with somatic practices and mindfulness training. In today's episode, we are going to explore the soft life, hustle culture, and helping you become your favorite self, which is what I love. You'll learn how Dr. McClooney is spearheading a paradigm shift in organizational culture by envisioning workplaces as spaces that normalize rest and ease. It is a bold departure from the conventional grind, and our discussion will delve into why healthy workplaces are not just a luxury, but a necessity. I want you to get ready for a conversation that challenges assumptions sparks inspiration, and encourages us all to reimagine the way we work and the conditions under which we work. So without further ado, let's dive into the wisdom and insights of Dr. Courtney L. McClooney on exploring what the soft life means to you and reimagining your work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, I am so glad to have you here today to talk about another one of those blazing hot topics, the soft life. Before we get into all of this, I want to kick this podcast off with a question that came into my inbox exclusively for you. So um, the listener says, when I think soft life, I think of a lot of images I see on social media around relaxing, lounging, having services done for you, rest, vacation, all of that. I also have a vision um, of taking time out to really care for myself, such as sleeping for at least seven hours, not cooking every day, paying for a meal service, you know, chef, all that. But mostly I think of not being in the rat race. 
to rush to complete 30 tasks at once, skidding into the bed at night and fighting to get up just to slide into third base at 8 a.m. for work, barely making it. I also think of it as the opposite of the incessant need to check in, check emails, perform too many job duties to be effective. I think mostly of slowing down, but it seems hard to do this in America, the culture, the climate, especially when salaries don't seem to be growing, but all other bills are. My question is, what really is the soft life? And is this something healthy to strive for? I know. Beautiful a lot, a lot of things were said. So many things. And I think the listener actually captured a lot of how the soft life has been defined and publicly consumed and how it is that I'm thinking about it as someone who's been trying to strive for that as well and being ambitious about my rest and about my well-being. So the soft life, I think part of their question too is how attainable is it? Right. Is it something that everyone can achieve or is it something that only a select privileged few who have the luxury of doing so can experience? And I would love for us as a, as a collective of people to broaden our understanding of the soft life so that it is attainable for everyone. Okay. And to also make sure that we are working to create the type of society, the type of systems that allows room for softness in whatever ways that manifests for people. So for some people, it could be things like sleep, right. rest, exercise, drinking water. Right. And for others, it might be those more, you know, visible things that we see like spa days, vacations, et cetera. But I, I want us to broaden what we think of as soft so that we don't think it's just one thing. And if I, I don't love, have that one part, then I'm not. Right. If I don't have the private chef or I'm not getting like my legs massaged or I'm taking trips, then my life cannot be soft. So I think my big question is, it feels like a lot of people are slowing down right now in this season. What do you think happened or what it, what do you see happening? Yeah. So we're here in 2024 and I'm like, man, we've been in this post-pandemic life for four years. Yes. That is mind boggling. Yeah. Uh, It was a world stop moment. It was a moment that I think shifted a lot of perspectives and priorities because our health and well-being and life became top of mind for everyone. Mm. Are we going to survive this? And I think that shifted the rat race, the feeling like we always have to be on the go because we actually did start needing to pay attention to our well-being. Um, am I sick today? This became something that every organization wow. in school want to know. Yeah. And we hadn't asked ourselves that before. Am I sick I, today? Am I sick today? Am I well enough to do the everyday things that it takes to live my life? And when that became top of mind, I think people started realizing that in order to get through a sickness, you usually need to slow down, mm. have bed rest, drink things that are going to take some time to consume, like hot soup or hot right. tea. You can't drink hot tea very fast without right. stopping your mouth. You actually have to slow down to consume it. And that helps you get through the most difficult parts of our life. I think about other aspects of our life too, like grief and loss. There was so much loss that has yeah. been happening over the last few years. And the pandemic definitely spurred that on. But we've also seen other examples of just extreme loss. Um, whether it's your loss of identity, your job, Mm -hmm. these things that shifted over time or loss of people that are close to us. And grief isn't something that you can speed your way through. Come on. It is something that you have to take time to, and it grows with you and it's going to be present with you for the rest of your life. Um, So slowing down and that being part of how we're living now, it's no surprise to me. Okay. Of course we're slowing down. Right. Um, I, (laughs) 
Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Just like a hot drink or hot soup or just like, I mean, I understand that when we are sick, you know, we, we need to slow down, but just this idea of waking up every day and asking, you know, am I well? And even though, like you said, we're four years out from the beginning and we're still asking ourselves the same questions, you know, I mean, I just got a phone call today from someone saying I'm five days out from just having COVID for like the third time. And so we really are still asking ourselves those questions. I think it's best to start this um, dissecting a little bit of the hustle culture, which is how I met you um, when we met on the panel at Harvard. And I was just so thrilled and fascinated by the work that you do. And I'm so glad that I get to have you here, but I have so many ideas around it. um, But I want to know, your definition. What is hustle mm-hmm. culture? And I feel like it was up for, I mean, when I was in yes. my early twenties, it was like the making the band, walking for cheesecake. You know, there was <laughs> only one way. There was only one way to succeed. Right. And it was like excessive perform. Like it was just, it was crazy. So tell us what it is. And I know you've, you've studied this. And so mm-hmm. fill us in. Yeah, I was going to say, I come at this definition of hustle culture a couple different ways. One, by being a millennial. So definitely feeling part of that generation of we can do it all. We can have it all. There's no more of this need for balance. We are just going after the money. We are go-getters. And our music reflected that, right? We have Hustlin' by Rick Ross. Yes. Hustle by T.I. Like, it was just a mantra that we lived by, that you work hard so you can play hard, that you're going after the green And we are racking up the degrees as Black women. We are going after those high corporate jobs and we are burning ourselves on both ends of the stick, trying to live a life that we enjoy, but also chasing paper. Um, And then I also come at it from a social science organizational researcher background. One of my projects that I completed uh, when I was at the University of Virginia was looking at Detroit, Michigan and their entrepreneurial uh, landscape. Right. And when I think of hustle and when I think of what city kind of personifies, come hustle, on, Detroit comes to mind. Yes. It's like a second home for me. It's so a shout out to the 313. But that city was forced to figure out ways to survive mm-hmm. when their government, uh, their city government went bankrupt. There was a lot of utilities that were pulled out of the city and the people who were left there had to figure out how do we make ends meet? And that I think personified hustle culture. They were grinding. They were like, you know, we don't need anyone else to save us. We are here for ourselves. It's Detroit versus everybody. And it bred a whole generation of entrepreneurs, people who started to come back to Detroit and build things like water plants and really innovative AI and beauty integrations. Um, Some really cool fashion manufacturing groups, natural hair. Uh, We have the lip bar that is from Detroit, right? Love Melissa. Mia Ray, Glamaholic, who I love. Yes. I mean. (laughs) Shout out to Melissa Butler. Yes. And getting her stuff in Target, right? It's like, she's not even a, she wasn't like a Rihanna celebrity getting your Fenty products in the store. This is a woman born and bred in Detroit who looked at Black women and said, we deserve shades of beauty too. Right. Right. And got on the Shark Tank. And so I was like, this is what hustle culture looks like, right? We we were forced into it. And by we, I mean people who come from little means, mm-hmm. people who might come from marginalized backgrounds. And that disproportionately tends to reflect Black people in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and then we add on top of that people who are in spaces like Detroit, where there are just very little opportunities. Um, so you had to fill a void. Right. And so on the one hand, like hustle culture was something that we felt like we had no other option. This is mm. the only way to be successful is right. to strive and to go after all the things. And then it became um, a lifestyle. 
you know, yes, who sleep, sleep when you die type of mantra. I was like, there. You don't have time to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you are in your twenties, you do tend to have more energy. You right? do. I say this now in my mid thirties. Oh, I'm not my 20 self. No, <laughs> my dad used to say to me, he goes, I'm just going to tell you, do as much as you can while you can, because you lose energy. You just, you're not going to be able to do it when you get exactly. older. Exactly. So I feel like it was just like perfect alignment. It's like the whole universe is conspiring for us to continue to hustle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just became part of the way that we do things, the lifestyle. It's something that continues to motivate a lot of people, especially those who come, like I said, from uh, less well-off economic backgrounds, where if you want to create some financial stability and future yeah. generational wealth, there is a need for you to um, catch up and to work outwork your peers. Yeah. And we heard that a lot with our Harvard panel, right? That a right. lot of the Black MBAs felt like they didn't have time to slow down mm-hmm. because they were already starting several years and you know, family members behind right. <laughs> their peers who had multi-generational Harvard grads and people working in corporate spaces. Um, so when you're the first in your family to achieve right. a certain level of success, there is a lot of pressure for you to continue to hustle. Okay. So everybody's tired. Yes. <laughs> Everybody is tired now. And it seems like the hustle culture is going away. Mm-hmm. But I do worry um, what happens, especially for Black people, marginalized people who still kind of need to get ahead. Do you, what are your thoughts? Like, what could we or should we do? Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Uh, so it is sad. It's like without the hustle, um, what's going to happen? Because the systems have not caught have up, not taken up to the, the fact that we're tired. <laughs> Exactly. It's like yeah. we are we are burning ourselves out and there is no safety net for a lot mm-hmm. of folks who want to step away from the, the hustle culture, the hustle life. I say that as someone who stepped away from a very lucrative professor job because it was literally burning me out and I felt my body deteriorating over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, but without this money, I really don't have anything to fall back on. Right. I have to figure out another hustle. Um, another, hustle. Think, another hustle. I've got a hustle. Stop one. I'm trading hustles. I'm trading hustles (laughs) at this point. And and I'm trying to like balance the well-being side of the hustle with the economic tangible sides, right? It's like, how much money do I need to make in order for me to be well and happy? Right. And and that's become my new barometer for my hustle. Um, But when I think about what we can do as a broader collective and especially marginalized folks, another Detroiter comes to mind. She actually relocated to Durham, North Carolina now, but her name is Adrienne Marie Brown. Okay. And Adrian is a brilliant everything writer, thinker, um, visionary. And one of the things that she has been working on and focusing on is how do we, as a collective, reimagine our relationship with each other, with the world, with change? And how do we do that while keeping each other safe? And keeping yeah. close. That's, that's sort of my interpretation of her work. Okay. Um, and I think, again, sh- this is her perspective that emerged after living in a place like Detroit, mm-hmm. where there was a sense of abandonment and resentment and a feeling like, how do we survive and persevere? And she was pushing everyone to think about not just surviving as an individual, but surviving as a collective. Mm. And as a collective survival, collective hustle, collective right. self-care, right? Like mm-hmm. when people... Um, I think the self-care movement is also going through this transition of moving away from individualized care wow. to community care. That right? yeah. 
what does that look like to right. shift away from individual hustle to community hustle? I to like that. Community care. Yeah. Okay. And, and right. Just it, yeah. Including more people doing it in community, which I feel like it kind of was before um, back in the day. And it yes. became this thing, this I, I ego, I'm on top. I want the, you know, I'm mm-hmm. getting the promotion and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I am alone. And yeah. there's only one spot because there's only, you know, as a black person, there's only going to be, can only be one of us, you know, um, typically That's is, right. is, is how we were made, to, what we were made to think. Um, so what do you think about the idolization of hustle culture? Because mm-hmm. it, that is a real thing. And we still love seeing people not sleeping and then turning around the next day with diamonds and yachts and like, and, yeah. and luxury bags. So, I mean, yeah. is that, is that going away? I think social media has like warped our sense of what it actually takes to be successful, right? Ooh. And the people who know how to manipulate that space have mm. uh, curated an entire image of I can just go from nothing one day to Kardashian level uh, yeah. success and attention the next. Yeah, right? success and attention. Exactly. It's like yeah. you can you can just achieve it overnight if you just believe yeah. hard enough if you work hard enough. Now and you know it's not true. Yeah, and I just want to add this because mm-hmm. I this is what I feel. I see people who are just, you know, I feel like this is this is a part of the problem. We want to believe that so badly. Like I think re, you know, if we really sat ourselves down and thought about like is this could this happen? You know, could someone have a baby and within two, three days, like they snap back, they're, you know, back at work, they are pumping, you know, they're in six inch heels. Like, even though I feel like we know this is not realistic, we so desperately want to believe this and we can't look away. And then we find ourselves like comparing, you know, ourselves to these people. But I'm like, if we really just take a moment and realize, like you said, that these people have learned how to manipulate this space to feed you more of what you want, you know, or what you're looking at. So. And I think those, like the idolization too, it erases the actual community that allows that person to be successful. Right. So when I say we need to shift focus to community care, we also have to shift our attention to that. Okay. Um, So for example. I was going to say, what would that look like? Yes. Like for example, I love Beyonce. Beyonce. Yes. And, and seeing her Renaissance owed her, her, you know, just, that, that was like one of the highlights of my year. Uh, but I also appreciate her honesty around the challenges that she experienced coming back to performing after birthing twins. Right. Um, and there was so much transparency behind it that I could not have done this by myself. Right. Mm. I literally have my mother here. I have my husband here. I have a whole team of people who mm. are not only caring for my children, but caring for me and my body. Um, and if I didn't have that community, there's no way I could have Right. Performed homecoming and and renaissance. So when celebrity and not just celebrities, but any of these people who are suggesting you just need one or two hacks for yeah. to get back on track, be more transparent about all the support that you actually come actually on have need, right? Yeah. Um, and that I think will encourage more people to look around instead of just only looking ahead of what I can achieve. It's like look next to you. Who is mm. next to 
you at your office, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your friendship circle? How can you all be supportive of each other as you go about achieving the wellness and success goals that you have in your life? Right. Yeah. Whether that's like, this is my gym buddy. This is my nutrition partner. Yeah. My my fellow moms group. And you have this. Yeah. I created communities of moms. I had to hear about that. I want to hear about like how that has shaped the well-being of so many mothers who feel like they are isolated. Yeah. Time where they are raising and birthing children. Yeah. You know, I thought there's so much that I thought before I became a parent, like the type of parent I was going to be and and what was really happening. And I, I am well resourced. You know, I was an older parent. And so I was already an entrepreneur. I was doing very well. And I was just like, oh, I got this, you know, yeah. it's gonna be, yeah, this, this is easy. If I can like run this business, like, of course I can have a child. And then I had my child and then I was just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. there is so much to know. And it's not just like, should I feed them this or that? There's so much to know in terms of like, okay, there, you can't just, I'm going to keep it above. You can't just go on Google and find the best preschool, daycare, any of that. You can't. There's an underground community of people who know, you know, where to get the actual swim lessons where you're where you're not going to a place that you're spending three, four years for your child to learn how to swim. There is a place that you can just pay up front and your child learns how to swim in a week. Can't really find that online. And so little by little, I started realizing as much as I have, you know, I have spent so much of my life as an individual and mm-hmm. and and solo earning and solo achieving and going to the top as myself there's absolutely no way I can do this by myself mm. there is and for all the things that I'm learning I feel like when you become a mother you there are like people who swoop in there are other mothers who swoop in and save you that you feel like you have to give this back like yeah. I have to pay back what I know to the mom who's up in the middle of the night, who sees a rash, is freaked out. The nurse hasn't called her back at the pediatrician's office. And she needs to know that there are 15 other moms who have seen this before. It's hand, foot, and mouth, girl. You know, it's like, that's what I knew mothers needed. And so I felt like, you know what, I owe this to people. And so the community getting together, going to a play date, you know, there are things that black mothers want to do that isn't always extended to us. Like, I don't want to just be the only black mom at the mommy and me thing or the music class Mm. or this or that, you know, I want to be there in community with other mothers. And so I do things, we do play dates, you know, a lot of this stuff happens like on Tuesdays at nine where, you know, yeah. most of us are working. So we just move the play dates to times where we know black moms can make it. And so mm-hmm. th- that was really important to me. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to mother um, without community. I don't, mm-hmm. and I won't, you know? And I was yeah. like, if I can't find something, I'll create something. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful. And and I love that approach to community care and wellness. Yeah. Right? It's um, there's been, I think parenting and motherhood specifically, it changes all the things we ever thought we knew about what I actually need to be well. Yeah. Um, because it's like, oh, I need more. <laughs> I need right. more than just me. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I, need, I need support. And I think, um, you know, society, unfortunately, demonizes 
women for doing just about damn near anything. Anything. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) When they choose to be mothers, there's this belief that you are quote unquote supposed to be able to cover all the bases. So if you can't breastfeed, something's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. You can't, um, you know, raise your child to be polite or something's wrong with you instead of accepting that we need support. Like when I heard about mothers who produce an abundance of milk and are able to share that yes, mothers who are not producing as much, I'm like, that is a form of community care. Yes. Like I said, back in the day, I think it was way more common, right? Oh yeah. More, um, I did the it. The whole neighborhood is raising. Yeah. Right. The whole <laughs> I did it. During, I had my daughter during the pandemic and mm. she just didn't drink as much as my son did. So I had a ton of milk and I would just, there are groups online and I would just, you know, be like, it's in a cooler. It's on my, you know, it's on my porch and, you know, people masked up would come and get that milk and and take care of these babies. It's like, that's, yes. that has to happen. Okay. That's beautiful. Yes. Soft life. Um, So when I hear soft, you know, I hear easy. And I have a hard time with, you know, an easy life. I, mm. what is, why, why is it so hard to just let something be easy for mm. us? Do you think? I think I'm thinking about Rachel Cargill, her amazing book, A Renaissance mm. of Our Own was yeah. so good. Oh my so God, good. So good. And ease was one of her top things that she was striving for because she felt like as a black woman, it was one of the things that has been denied to us mm. the most, most over, over, um, the history of us existing in Western spaces where we weren't, you know, intended to be. Right. And I think ease and easy, we almost question it when something comes to us easy. We Something must be up. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with this? Something's sus. Like, yeah. It's like sus. It's sus. Like, yeah, this it's too easy and therefore something must not be right. And so we already question ease. Mm-hmm. It's something that, I don't think has been bestowed upon a lot of people, especially, you know, black women, um, where we have just been dealt the cards that set us up for a really hard life. And that's where I think the strong black woman uh, schema has come from, where we have had to be strong and expected to be strong. So when we are put in places where something is easy or feels soft, we don't know how to react because that's not our natural or that's not where we have been historically. So I saw a quote recently. It's like, I've, I've met lots of different women. I've met strong women. I've met tough women. Oh. I've never met a comfortable woman. Yeah. Woman relaxed like, woman. Yeah. Relaxed. Yes, yeah. Relaxed woman. And yeah, it was like, I almost don't know what that looks like because even when I'm trying to do the wellness things, next thing you know, I have a goal list. It's like, I better sleep eight hours. A day. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's it. Right. <laughs> right. That's in, the, in, in my quest to have a soft life, I got a whole other list of stuff I got to do. Like, I gotta get, I gotta walk. I gotta gotta go for a walk. I gotta get, I gotta get my sleep. Have I drank my water? You know, I even have an app on my phone. Have I got my ounces? I mean, exactly. It's the, it's the new striving. So I was like, oh my gosh, no matter what I do, I can't get out of this hustle mindset and and embrace (laughs) just the ease of softness. Right. Um, And it almost feels like, you know, when we swing, quote unquote, swing too far to the soft side, we become, um, lethargic. And that, that was something that I think a lot of people have experienced over these past few years as well, where extreme slowdown led to apathy and like, Mm. I don't feel like doing anything. And now we're getting into depressive type of symptoms, right? Where we don't know what to do with ourselves. So how do we balance doing too much and not doing anything at all? 
right? Yeah. And I think that's that's a new challenge that we are going to face as humans. Like, how do we exist in between those two extremes? Mm. Um, and I think ease is the way there. Shout out to the Wiz. We got we got to ease on that this morning <laughs> <laughs> of life. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Diana. Yeah. Um, it's like, how do we ease down the road? Still making forward progress, but do it with ease and do it with um, the belief that we can stop and rest as we need, but we can also keep going. We can. Okay. So I want to talk solutions now and I have some of your solutions that I'm going to pitch back out at you that I'm going to have you fill in. So one of the solutions that you gave me, because I'm just like, okay, how is this possible? How am I doing this? And the first thing you said is believing that you deserve it, Mm -hmm. believing that you deserve the soft life. Why is that so hard? Like, you know, for me or anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, I think we as humans, this is a psychological you know, phenomenon as well, mm-hmm. where we don't believe we deserve uh, good things in life. We feel mm-hmm. like we have to quote unquote work for it. That's the evidence that we have put in some amount of effort that results in good outcomes. Right. And it's because we see hardship, right? Life is actually full of both grief and joys. Yeah. And when we see it around us, we have to make sense. Like why, why is this person getting breast cancer and dying before right. he's years old. You know, when, when um, Chadwick Bozeman had his colon cancer diagnosis and died before the age of getting tested for it, we mm, questioned that. Right. Like, like, oh my gosh, what does that mean for me? Why am I still here? Um, so we don't believe that we deserve to, you know, live a life that that doesn't mean it's not going to be full of hardship at any time we experience any good thing in life. We're questioning like, man, what did I do to deserve this? I don't, I don't think I'm good enough yeah. to deserve these things. Um, and deserving this, there's this whole, I love the Maven collaborative. I, I recommend people look up that group. They're a group led by women of color, looking at our policies in society and how a lot of them are based on who deserves mm. support and who doesn't. And um, deservingness underlies a lot of how we have structured society. Yeah. Who deserves high quality education? Who deserves to live in neighborhoods that are safe? Who deserves? And so when we don't live our lives in spaces like that, or we feel like we deserve good things, mm. it becomes hard for us as individuals to internalize and believe that we right. deserve to slow down. We deserve to relax. Um, I think about my parents too. You know, they come from a generation where. You, you you all rest too much, right? Like you, you should be working. Right? You what you be, tired for? You be working hard. What, what you tired for? You ain't even working hard. <laughs> Taking a nap. Right. Right. I would, go, I would work even when I had the off rest. Right. Right. Like, right. So um, so we have not even socialized ourselves to believe that we deserve to slow down and rest. I'm hoping that that changes with future. I do too. I'm seeing that more and more. Yeah. But yeah. Deservingness is a big one. And it's something that we're going to have to reprogram ourselves to believe. Okay. The next thing you told me, how we can work towards this is embracing the fact that it's going to look different for everybody. Yes. Tell Absolutely. me more. Yes. So this goes back to the earlier comment. Um, the aesthetics of soft life are mm. not attainable for everyone. It's also not desired by yeah. everyone. I, I know a handful of people who really can't stay in massages. I know. <laughs> right. 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 So like, or candles or, yeah. Exactly. And so to over-prescribe what self-care looks like is missing out on a huge segment of the population. Um, people who have different bodily needs and functions. Um, and so- we need to embrace that wellness and softness is going to 
have a very plural definition and understanding. And when I think about workplaces, that's that's my main area of research. And they have, whenever they ask, like, how can we be more inclusive or help people be more authentic? I said, like, are you creating room for everyone to be their true self, even if it's different than how you uh, express your true self, right? Right. And creating room for that is going to take a lot of, um, again, like reprogramming and a lot of openness to difference. And, and that's really hard for yeah. people to accept, right? We want we want to understand every single person that we're interacting with and we're not going to. Right. I'm never going to understand how, you know, my, my husband's a night owl. So I love full night sleep. Okay. He loves to be up at night. Yeah. That gives him joy to, to yeah. you know, be up at, when it's night outside. Um, that's his form of well-being to take yeah. naps throughout the day and to stay up at night and to try to counteract that it's right. not going to help him be well. It's going to make him feel more and more like something's wrong with me. Right. If I'm, if I'm not ex- practicing wellness and softness in those way that other people think I should. Yeah. Which I think is like, I was, there's this book called Why We Sleep. I don't know if you read it, but oh. it kind of talks about how um, there are night owls, but our society is programmed on like early birds. And so people who are natural, and it's just like, they call it your chronology, but it's like, I am a natural early bird. I, I am awake between four 30 and six 30, no matter what. And that is, you know, that is a part of hustle culture, right? Is when Mm -hmm. you can be the person that's like, I'm up at four 30 and I was that, you know, and I got a lot done because society is built on the early birds. And then, you know, people who are those night owls, the artists and those types of deals, Mm -hmm. different life, um, but no, but just different. And so um, I also have a partner who like, it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, you're ready to go to dinner. You know, it's like, you just, you're coming alive at 10, at 10 o'clock. And I'm, and it's like, I got like 20 minutes. That's right. Um, so <laughs> something else um, you said is, and I don't know if I got, I have this written down. Acknowledge that there is something in your life that is not allowing you to be your favorite self. Ooh, I remember saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so it's, yeah. And I, such a good one. And it is something to think about. And since you said that, I've been thinking about it. And it's like my favorite self. And I and and that is something as I started the year. It's like, what is it in my life that's not allowing me to be my favorite self? And it really was this like chokehold that my calendar had on me. Mm-hmm. And it was this thing where all of the things that keep me well were scheduled after everything else. And so it would be like every week, my trainer's like, okay, what days can you come in? And this year I started with planting the things that make me well. And I had done it a decade ago with therapy. Like my therapy is always there, but now I did it with like my exercise. And it's like, you will see me every week at this, on these days and at this time, and I'm going to plug everything else around it. And now- I, that is helping me be more of my favorite self. And because I'm no longer allowing the calendar to choke hold me, because that was like one of my bragging points is that I'm like a master of time. I can like split minutes. And now if I go to coffee or lunch with a friend, I put nothing after it. So if you want to stay for an hour, I can stay for an hour. If you want to stay for two, I've been doing three hour coffees and lunches. Uh, mm. Me and my friend got kicked out the other day. <laughs> They're like, ding, 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 ding. Like, ladies, <laughs> get out. <laughs> we didn't even notice three hours. And that's just, 
I like myself. Like, I feel oh, like that's my that. favorite self when I'm able to make time to do that. So I love that for you. Oh yeah. So thank you for sharing that. that. Strategy. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. And I, and I love that as something that people can take away. It's like, who is your favorite self mm-hmm. and how can you be more of them? On yeah. A daily basis? Oh my God. I love that. Yes. You said, um, be in your body. That is something else that you can do to experience the soft life. What does that mean? Be in your body. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those like self-care, like what it is in my body. What does that mean? It took me so long to figure out what that meant because as yeah, I have a PhD and I'm a researcher. So my brain was what was always most cherished and valued Mm -hmm. my my whole life. Okay. Something that my teachers, my parents, myself, I was like, this is my this is my moneymaker. This is my like favorite part of myself. It's just my brain. Yeah. And I was neglecting everything. Uh, it's like, as long as I get this paper done, as long as I, you know, can achieve this success, as long as my brain is able to make these connections, who cares that my body's like falling apart? <laughs> who cares right. that I am unhealthy? Who cares that my skin is not, you know, given, giving <laughs> life. Um, and so when I, when I was hitting walls and burning out, my brain was like, you know what? We actually can't, we cannot persist mm-hmm. we to slow down. My body was always the first alarm bell. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, you don't want to lay down? Sick. <laughs> right? I, right. I would be sick every, at the end of every semester. And I was like, man, I must've, I don't know what that was, but I was like, okay, this is happening way too often for it to be just a random, you know, occurrence. And so just like you with your favorite self, it's like, how do I prioritize my entire body, including my brain? I do want to simulate my brain every day. Um, but how can I also take care of my skin, yeah. take care of my internal uh, organs, take care of my uterus, take care of my breasts, right? It's like, right. How, do I, how do I think about my whole self is in need of attention yeah. and care? And when I think about the soft life, um, your body will tell you when it's relaxed. Yeah. And we call it the, um, the rest and digest phase of your body. So opposite from fight or flight, which are very active systems that are trying to prepare your body to do something when you are able to digest your food without indigestion, Mm. without the heartburn, without feeling bloated. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm actually enjoying this food. I'm savoring it. I'm able to chew it slowly. That's, that's that long lunch you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm able to like, recall the taste, the texture, the smell of what I just consumed. And not only that, but I'm sitting here and I'm full and I'm yeah. satisfied. Like when, how often do we ask ourselves, like, am I satisfied? Yeah. Am I like full of, full of whether it's food or just feeling content with life? Yeah. And I think yeah. those things are stuff that your body will signal. And so when I start prioritizing that, like, yes, give yourself longer time to eat. Your body yeah. needs like at least 30 minutes after eating to fully digest what you just ate. Yeah. So if it takes you an hour to eat, you need an hour and 30 lunch, right? Yeah, like, which is tough. Get, exactly. So it's like, how do we think like that? Yeah. So before we get out of here, because most of us are, you know, we we have jobs, we go to work and they're not trying to hear about this soft life. <laughs> what are some things that, I mean, that you can run us through that could help us have softer lives at work? You know, like, how am I talking to my my boss or my supervisor or my manager? If I'm looking for a job, what sort of things am I saying without coming across like, you know, too woo-woo, like this girl does yeah. not want to work? 
Yeah. Um, thankfully, workplaces are finally focusing on mental health. So they're getting there. They're starting with the brain. <laughs> so hopefully they'll, they'll work Keep their going. Way Keep yeah. going with the whole self. So I'm glad that companies are finally starting to pay attention to um, that need for their workforce. But I do think we do have a lot of negotiating tactics at our disposal. So mm-hmm. you just don't want to budge on things like salary, which is also part of being well. Right. right. You enough money to be well. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't like let up on salary. But we're also negotiating things like how often am I coming in person to yeah. To- so I love that we have the flexible work is on the table for every company now. Yeah. Something that they have to address. Right. Um, there's very few full-time in-person work these days. There's love that. Hybrid and way more flexible work. So don't let up on wanting more flexible work. Um, I think to co- communicating to your boss, like this is how I work best. Mm. And there could be um, very specific things. Like I work best when I am not forced to be in meetings all day yeah. or when you do not expect an email from me before a certain time of the day. Um, yes. Just like you, I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. I answer emails first thing in the morning. That is when my brain is the most active and ready to do the hard tasks. So I need two to three hours before okay. I, are yeah. I can focus on my work. That is something we I needed that with managers, right? It's like, this yeah, is how I in my twenties. Yeah. It's like, if I don't yes. email you back the minute I sit, if you don't get an email from me, if my, if my hour starts at this time and, and I, and because that was how I was trained, I became like that. Like I need to get an email from you as soon as you sit down to know that that signals to me that you're working, but communicating this, like you said, it would be much better if I could send my first email. If, if I started eight, if you don't expect to get an email from me until at least like 10 30, 11. So like you said, I can fire off and get through a lot of my hardest work while my brain is freshest. Exactly. And so always framing things in that regard, like I want to do my best work here Mm. and this is how I know I can do it. Um, Those things will hopefully signal to the employer that you actually do want to be here. And this is uh, something that you prioritize and take seriously. But if they also want you to do your best work, they need to figure out the best way to support you in that endeavor as well. Um, So I think more and more companies are realizing that, again, their workforce is not a monolith. Just right. like we we think everyone experiences wellness and care the same way. It's like, no, you have to realize that everyone's different. Some people love coming in more days out of the week than not, but others don't, right? And, so right. You, and those you that don't are not, they're just, they're just different. Exactly. Like you said, it looks different. Just know that this is going to look different on everyone. Exactly. Um, well, we thank you. I feel like we could soft life this soft life it up forever, but this was yes. so helpful. Um, I feel like you helped us have better understanding. I feel like we walked away with some tools and tips. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much, my league. Of course.